podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, this podcast in association with TNT Sports. It's me, Simon Hughes. And me, Simon Mann. And I think we've witnessed, perhaps, England's greatest ever overseas test victory. What do you think, Simon? Well, it must come close. I mean, they've, they've had some uh, wonderful victories, of course, over the sort of whole history of you know, 130-odd years or whatever it is of test cricket, even more than that. And this is absolutely stunning uh, comeback to win. I, I think it's probably England's greatest comeback victory since Headingley 1981. I mean, you just don't do this in India, do you? You don't come from a 163 for five 190 deficit on first innings and win the match against an Indian side in their own conditions. Astonishing turnaround in the game. We thought it was going to be probably a three-day Indian victory and I'm sure a lot of England supporters thought that and possibly even some of the players privately thought, yeah, we're right up against it here despite what they say in public. But four-day England victory in the last over of the day. Extraordinary day's cricket. Uh, you, your heart's pounding, isn't it? I mean, it's, whoever, whichever way it goes, you know, it, it's exhausting watching it. Totally exhausting. And it is actually the greatest comeback in the history of Indian cricket as well, in India, because mm. the, 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 the previous record was Australia against India. In 2004 at the Wankhede Stadium... India were bowled out for 104, Australia scored 203 in their first innings and lost the match. So this time, England conceded a lead of 190 on first innings and somehow they conjured up a victory. And actually, they conjured up a victory as well from being 163 for five in their second innings, so still 27 behind. The last five wickets, Simon put on 257. Now, how often have we talked about England and the last five wickets producing hardly anything and thinking that's England's weakness? The last five wickets, 257 runs. Obviously, Ollie Pope largely responsible for those amount of runs. And that Ollie Pope innings has to be also considered now as the greatest innings by an England batsman in India, just eclipsing Kevin Peterson's remarkable 186 in Mumbai in 2012. I was there for that innings. You were as well. I mean, that was an incredible innings, but it was the first innings of the match and the pitch was a lot easier and other players made runs as well. As to Cook, for instance, also got 100. So, you know, it was probably a little bit of an easier situation. It wasn't in the second innings where the ball was turning square against this absolute crackerjack Indian spin attack. So to make 196 out of 420 all out, so practically half the runs, is extraordinary. Extraordinary performance. Guy who hasn't played Test cricket for six months, any cricket for six months. You you noticed, Simon, that in his interview after the match, Ollie Pope saying that in a way that break might have helped him because he was able to focus on his preparation for this series, rather than be distracted by 20-over cricket, 50-over cricket, counter-championship cricket. You know, he could almost devote all his attention to how would he uh, perform in Indian conditions, which he had experienced before with no real success. And he's changed his game slightly. And obviously, it's after the first innings looking pretty skittish, it's produced uh, an incredible performance. 
Yeah, he said, I had a long time to prepare uh, to tailor my technique. And you know, we often think about players out in the middle preparing, but actually what we don't see is, of course, what they're doing behind the scenes, in the nets, working hard, indoor nets, outdoor nets, whatever, in a tent, whatever. So he has had time to think, get himself fit, get his mind right, and produce. Well, Rohit Sharma said it was the best uh, innings I've seen in Indian conditions by an opposition batsman. Ben Stokes said it was the greatest innings by an England player in subcontinental uh, conditions. I mean, there's a, it's not even hyperbole. I mean, I think it is. You know, genuinely to play in innings like that in the position that England were in, reverse sweeping. He said I got a bit luckier in the second innings than I did in the first innings. So just uh, being very modest there. But I mean, you know, you did score that sort of volume of runs. You do need a bit of luck. He was dropped a couple of times. He was dropped today actually, and that. The difference between, you know, that catch had been taken and what England scored afterwards, you know, it would have been a much tighter game. He was dropped on 186. The score was 396 for seven. It would have been 396 for eight. So, you know, know, just (laughs) makes you think how tight the game would have been, even tighter the game would have been if that catch had been taken. It was a a low catch to KL Rahul at second slip. Fine margins, ultimately, in a you know a wonderful. T- I mean, it's incredible test match, wasn't it? The the ups and downs, and the emotions, and the, you know the feelings about how the game was going to go, and then you have to sort of completely switch around and just have a completely different thought about the, the, the way cricket is you know, is being played these days and by this England team. Well, that's true, and just listening to the commentators actually, how they in a, in a way in the first innings of the the match looking at the way the Indian batsmen played against the way the England batsmen played and you know much more conventional batting by the Indians and more uh, outrageous and you know inventive batting by England and uh, therefore a deficit of 190 runs and everybody saying oh you know you can't play those sort of uh, funky shots in Indian conditions you've got to play more conventionally well England have totally booted that arg- argument away and you could hear the commentators almost reflecting on how they assessed the first innings of the match and saying well actually England maybe England have got it right and maybe actually the Indians were too tentative in their second innings and, and batted, batters getting caught close in round the bat and not putting pressure on the bowlers which is what England so much did. And I'd, I'd give a bit of credit as well uh, as to, obviously, the, the incredible brilliance of Ollie Pope. I thought Tom Hartley batted rather mm. well today as well in that lower order surge. And he got 34 runs, but he played a very clever innings. He used his feet to the spinners, got down the wicket, hit them over the top, reverse swept Rabbi Ashwin for four, came uh, sort of down the wicket, but didn't always try and hit it over the top tried to work it for singles. He played very wristy drives through the offside. Do you know what he reminded me quite a bit, actually, of the way Stuart Broad bats? Tall, quite aggressive, quite fluent, uh, kind of completely fearless. And obviously he had a, a huge say with the ball later in the day. But I thought his batting it was a great support to Ollie Pope because he was left-handed, different sort of player, again, a taller player at one end, a shorter player at the other, poses different problems to the bowlers. And no real Indian batsman, until sort of lower down the order, really put the English spinners under pressure. And I suppose, again, going back to... There's so many talking points from this game, but going back to India's first innings, the impact of Yashasvi Jaiswal early on, where he got 80 runs out of 120-odd, 
for the first or second wicket. But he really put the bowlers under pressure. You know, he hit Tom Hartley's first ball in Test cricket for six. He hit his fifth ball in Test cricket for six. He came down the wicket. He was driving it against the spin. You know, the bowlers were sort of, what, what's hit me here? You know, what's hit us? It's, I, I don't know what to do. And it, there's no, you can't overemphasize the impact of batsmen pressurizing bowlers into making mistakes. And so the Indian spinners, when they were up against Ollie Pope's ingenuity and Tom Hartley's forthrightness, sort of started to lose their lines and lengths and concentration. And that's when a, a fielding side can unravel. Yeah, I thought India today just looked a bit flat. They looked a bit puzzled. You know, this shouldn't be happening to us. They didn't seem to have many answers. England was scoring so fluently. Pope was seeming at one stage just seeming to score off every ball. He's happy just to knock it around. And you're right about Hartley. He, he was excellent with the bat today. He said, "I was really nervous this morning when I went out to bat." And I think your sister that settled him down. You know, later on when it came to bowl, he's in the game. He got some confidence from his batting. That's that's often the case. And and you're right, he hit. Ashwin and Jadeja both back over their heads for four. He also pulled Siraj uh, for four as well. So it was it was shots all round the wicket, and ultimately it was it was probably quite disappointing for England when he got out because you thought, hold on a second, they were they were <clears throat> they ran about two hundred and thirty ahead, and they, they lost their last three wickets for one run. So they, at one stage you thought that they could actually set them two sixty, two seventy, two eighty. You know, where's this going to go? And then it all went bang, bang, bang. You know, very quickly, Wood was out straight away after Hartley, and then Ollie Pope tried to manufacture something. I mean, it, it just shows up, just shows what sort of ridiculous uh, way the game is being played now. Uh, those of you who haven't seen Ollie Pope's dismissal, of course, he was out trying to reverse sweep Bumrah. You know, he wasn't trying to reverse sweep a spinner. He was trying to reverse Bumrah on hundred and ninety six as well. You know, he was four runs short of a double hundred in India, and he and he played what looked to be such a—I mean, it looks a ridiculous shot in isolation. You know, you play it in years. If you actually you took that shot back twenty-five years and played it, people were going, "What on earth is he doing? This is just ridiculous." Is that what f- the future of cricket looks like? Well, yeah, it, it does look a bit like that, but it got him a hundred and ninety-six in the first place. So mainly reverse sweeping off the the spinners, mind you. But it was such an audacious, skillful. A classy innings. Uh, yeah, no, no, it wasn't. You asked me yesterday, what did he do differently in the second innings compared to his first innings? Absolute schmozzle of a performance. And I, I, I thought yesterday, I said, I said yesterday, I don't think he did that much different. He just got away with it initially, and you just need to survive those sort of somehow. You need to survive those twenty-five or thirty balls at the beginning of your innings. He did in the second innings, and continued to play his way. I thought that, that, that what changes he's made to his game, he's obviously focused a lot on the reverse sweep and that sort of scoop shot that he flicks over over his head as well. I mean, we've both seen him play that before, but you have to be able to play it against different lengths and lines, and he's obviously worked on that. And the other thing is just that fluency through the offside. He's a guy who... He does like to hit through the offside, but he's worked on that, probably just slightly opening the face, and especially against the left-arm spinners, uh, you know, going with the spin to, to, to steer it through the offside, keeping his legs out of the way. That's so important, and it's something that is probably anathema to people coming out of county cricket because there are no DRSs, and so you can probably use your pad a bit more in county first-class cricket, but in test cricket now... 
woe betide anybody who gets their leg anywhere near the line of the stumps against spin because if you miss it and it hits your pad you're gone whether it's DRS or, or umpire's decision and Pope clearly decided to keep his left leg out of the way so he can drive the ball through the offside yeah you know and it's funny if you look at his wagon wheel I'll post his wagon wheel on on social media actually if you look at his wagon wheel it looks like he's got lots of edges behind square on the offside sort of squirting it but most of those were were his reverse sweeps so the repertoire and the ingenuity outstanding Well, I hope you were all up watching that this morning at 4am on TNT Sports, which is the exclusive home of this England v India series and also of the UEFA Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League, as well as showing lots of Premier League football and rugby, MotoGP, boxing, UFC, NBA, WWE and lots more acronyms as well. Lots of Premiership football and rugby on TNT Sports this week. Stream TNT Sports on Discovery Plus or watch TNT Sports channels on EE, Sky and Virgin Media. A subscription is required, aged 18+. plus. TNCs apply. And Simon, they must be delighted that they've signed this series. Well, absolutely mouth-watering now, isn't it? But remember... England did win the first test of the last series that they played in India and then went on to lose the series. But you know, you know, what a start, what a compelling test match. You talk about the, the offering from uh, TNT. While that game was going on this morning, I, on my phone, also on TNT, I was watching the denouement of the Australia against West Indies test match, which has also had a fantastically thrilling uh, final day. West Indies winning by eight runs. And there's been a bit of chat since then. You see Craig Brathwaite, the, the captain of West Indies, said they were driven on by the comments from Rodney Hogg, the old fast bowler. He used to, he used to charge in, didn't he? And he, get, he used to get people riled up. He called them pathetic and hopeless. And then Craig Brathwaite, in his post-match interview, said, well, just have a look at those muscles. He pulled his shirt back. Just have a look at those muscles. As if to say, well, yeah, we got something about us. So, you know, thrilling end. Steve Smith left uh, not out at the end. Uh, Shamar Joseph, new kid on the block, got plenty of pace. Wonderful fillet for the West Indies. So, basically, today we've seen two citadels breached, haven't we? Australia at home and India at home. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd made a bit of money if you'd, if you'd gone with that, you know, five days ago or whatever it is. Because that, that, those are two remarkable uh, results, really. India and Australia beaten at home. It doesn't happen very often. And it's the first West Indies Test match win in Australia since the 1990s as well. So an incredible performance. After the break, we'll go back to the amazing performance from today of Tom Hartley. Okay, so England bowled out for 420 today, just on the the stroke of lunch. 231 to win. It looked at one point as though they were going to get a few more because you know they were in total control uh, with Pope and Hartley putting together an excellent 50-plus uh, partnership. Then they lost three wickets for one run in 13 balls. Hartley was bowled by one that kept low, which he may have thought mm, bad but good because you know, there's definitely going to be something in this pitch uh, for us later, some variable banks as well as spin. Okay, yours at halfway then, or halfway through the day or... Okay. okay. When India started batting after lunch, did you think who who did you think were favourites? And you know, where we talked last night, didn't we, about you, you thought England had a ten percent chance of winning. But after adding a hundred odd runs in that morning session, two thirty one to win, what sort of chance did you give them 
uh, when India set out in pursuit of 2-3-1? Uh, well, I immediately regretted saying they only had a 10% chance of winning at the outset of the fourth day. I wish I'd said 25% in hindsight, because I think that would have been slightly more realistic. Anyway, I still thought with 230-odd to win, I thought India would do it. I thought the, the English spinners in particular didn't have enough control and India had enough batting depth to be able to get the, the runs. I thought the, the pitch obviously was, was giving the uh, English spinners some potential help, but I thought the Indian batsmen would be too much at home in these kind of conditions and they'd get home by five wickets. What did you think? Yeah, I thought India would win. I, 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 I thought it, it would be a bit of a struggle for them, but I thought they would win. I thought that... You know they had a, they had enough quality in their lineup, and you know did England have the the quality in their lineup to put them under pressure? Because Jack Leach has been struggling with a knee injury, and he didn't actually bowl very much in the second innings. England starting off with with Wood and Root as their opening bowlers in in this inning, so that was a a change around from the first. And yeah, I thought India had enough to win. I I, I thought there was enough in the pitch that England could. You know, you, you talked last night, didn't you, about getting some wickets and just make you know just chipping away India's confidence a little bit and showing you know yeah they are there for the fight England and they're not just going to lie down and lose by 10 wickets or 8 wickets or whatever but I think we got a reasonably early indication that it was going to be a struggle for India when they went two down very quickly yeah uh, and, well, and, the, and credit stand. for that you know you mentioned about India's fielding earlier and the fact that it looked a bit flawed and it was, it was a little bit fallible England's fielding outstanding and uh, Step up again, Ollie Pope. We've seen him so often in the bat pad region taking stunning catches. And what set the ball rolling today was an excellent catch off Yashasvi Jaiswal, the left-hander, coming down the wicket to Tom Hartley, who looked to have better control in this second innings than he had in the first. And Jaiswal, trying to get down the wicket to attack him, was tucked up by the ball and just nudged it into the leg side, slightly in the air, but off the middle of the bat, and Pope took a a brilliant instinctive catch. Not easy when you're at short leg to concentrate on the bat when the batsman's coming down the wicket and there's a fair amount of chance he might be wiping it over your head. So Pope did well there to stay down, watch the ball sharply, and he only had you know a yard and a half time to react to catch it so an excellent and then he took a smart catch at silly point to get rid of Shubman Gill a few balls later uh, close in on the offside uh, at silly point so excellent fielding there and good control bowling as well produced those two wickets and then I think after that the, the third wicket was was the big wicket Rohit Sharma Again, actually, a good bit of bowling, not necessarily deliberate from Tom Hartley, but he kept control and Rohit Sharma watched the ball spin a few times and played for one that he thought was going to turn and it didn't and it hit him on the pad and DRS and the umpire combined to give him out and that that was a huge moment I think in the game for England's confidence Sharma a, such a brilliant player in difficult conditions uh, so you know being able to get him back in the hut and no Coley to supervise the run chase as well you know we talked before the test match about how much India would feel the loss of Kohli today in particular he would have been the guy who would have tried to marshal that run chase and we know his uh, winning mentality his record of chasing scores especially in one day cricket but also in test cricket you know, he would have been very hard to shift and England would have respected him but they knew if they got 
I think Rohit Sharma and Kale Rahul were the two big wickets. If they got those, they could put the rest under pressure, and so it proved. Yeah, 42 for no wicket, and then suddenly it was 63 for three when Rohit hit Sharma uh, was out. You, you mentioned England's good fielding. Actually, Zach Crawley didn't have a great day in the field. There was a drop catch, Rohit Sharma early on, low uh, at slip. It was, it was catchable, but it was low. It wasn't easy, but it was catchable. And then he completely lost sight of one from Kea Rahul at cover. It was sort of lofted out towards him, and he didn't see it, and he went right, and the ball went left. And if he if picked it up, it looked like it would have been quite a straightforward catch, and you wonder how much England were going to uh, regret that. But they got through uh, Achi Patel, and then they eventually they did pick up uh, KL Rahul. What, what did you make of Aksha coming in at number five? The idea behind that, I think, was to break up the, the left arm spin, wasn't it? And to try and force England to do something different because they were in a groove, they were bowling well, and they sent out, they promoted the number nine to number five as a left hander. It was one of those things that we hear a lot of in one day cricket matchups, mm. wasn't it? Getting a left hander out there to negate the, the, the threat of England's left arm spinners, the ball coming into, spinning into a, a left hand batter, and also perhaps encouraging him to take a few risks and be positive and perhaps take the pressure off some of the other batters. Funnily enough, talking of you know the impact of one-day cricket, of course, here we have, you, you, you mentioned them, uh, Zach Crawley not picking up the ball at extra cover, and that's happened a couple of times to other fielders as well during this test match. And, it, of course, the ground, the new stadium, Hyderabad Stadium, designed specifically for white ball cricket with a lot of red or orange seats, reminds me exactly of trying to field at the Oval years ago, square the wicket uh, at the Oval with a lot of red seats. You couldn't see the ball a lot of the time. Mm. And the same sort of seems to apply here in Hyderabad. It's designed for white ball cricket, so lots of red seats. Not ideal if you're trying to see the red ball. Yeah, yeah, that might have something to do with it. In fact, almost certainly it had something to do with it. So, yeah, like you, when Rohit Sharma was out, I thought, yeah, England are definitely in this game. That was the moment I thought, yeah, this is on uh, for England. They got Achi Patel out straight after tea. That was a big lift for them. And then Kale Rahul out soon afterwards. And it was the sort of pitch that, you, you could take a couple of quick wickets, couldn't you? Two or three quick wickets. We saw it happen a, a, quite a bit in the game. You know, one, you know, that old cliche, isn't it? Come on, uh, one follows two or whatever. They often go, the wicket keeper will often say, come on, guys, bang, 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 bang. Because you know if you get one, you're going to get two or three, potentially. Yeah. And that's what happened. But then, of course, we had a, a really significant moment in the day's play. Ravi Jadeja, who's such a dangerous player. You know, we sang the Ravi Jadeja song uh, early in the well, series. Well, well, I you did. You call that <laughs> singing. <laughs> go on, then you have a go it at sort it. Of, it was sort of groaning. Ravi Jadeja. No, I better not. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll turn a lot of listeners off doing that. Yeah, you're actually better at it than I am. Anyway, so he plays it to mid on. Ben Stokes, sort of unsighted, just sort of flicks the ball at the stumps, and Ravi Jadeja is run out, and not just run out, but it looks as if he's tweaked his hamstring as well. Which you know, with the next test not far away, and you know, a lot of concerted uh, cricket coming up, concertina cricket coming up, you know, you, you wonder about his participation in the next game and and perhaps even beyond. I watched his run, uh, yours. I don't. If you watch it. He goes almost diagonally. So if he'd run straight, he probably would have made it. But and he didn't put the dive in as well. But he, he felt that hamstring, brilliant, instinctive piece of fielding from Stokes. And with that wicket, you thought, yeah, this this is England's game to lose now. Yeah, and it was uh, it was a, a defining moment. And you know, another extraordinary piece of agility by Stokes, an underarm flick in mid air, 
and smack on the stumps with just just a, a couple of feet to spare with Jadeja just a couple of feet short. It actually reminded me of that great bit of fielding by Freddie Flintoff mm. in the 2009 Ashes when he ran out Ricky Ponting from mid-off. And that was a, a crucial moment in the final test match at the Oval, which enabled England to win that Ashes series. And it was the start of a sort of resurgence, really, after losing the Ashes in 2007 in Australia. Uh, but it's it's those big players who can seize that moment. And, of course, Jadeja being the guy who was dismissed as well and possibly a hamstring string problem for him. So, you know, absolutely decisive moment Stokes wasn't sure he got him out partly I suppose because he was in mid-air kind of horizontal he wasn't looking was he no he couldn't see but no absolutely distinct and of course it was to do with Jadeja running running a bit wide and because he's left-handed as well as being such a a clever inventive batsman it was another massive moment in the game it must have given England a huge amount of confidence yeah so he was out and then Shreyas Iyer rather unconvincing poke to slip that was that that was a tame shot 119 for seven and you're thinking well they're not they're not getting these on this surface against this England attack and the ball was spinning bouncing it was keeping low you know there must be three balls out there but a great credit to India because Barrett and Ashwin really made them sweat didn't that that half century partnership there I thought suddenly everything just looked to calm down again it was like when Ollie Pope was batting okay not with the reverse sweeps and all and the quick run scoring but they just brought a sense of calmness to it Barrett made 100 against the England Lions uh, previous weekend, 116 not outs. He looked in, in decent form. He looked capable. And, and Ashwin's a, you know, a, he's a gritty competitor as well. And it, it needed something. It just needed something a bit different, didn't it? And in the end, it was a ball from Hartley that spun and kept a bit low. And re, you know, really good delivery. And Hartley was out to one that kept a bit low earlier in the day. So he sort of returned the favour uh, to Barrett. And then you, know, then you think, well, 50-odd uh, to win, two wickets left. Yeah, this is short, surely this is England's game now. I thought that was an absolute ripping delivery, but to, yeah. to get rid of Barrett actually pitched outside leg stump, and spun sharply across and hit off stump. It was unplayable. It was it mm. was almost a worn delivery. That it was it was a big turning ball, and I think I've noticed a couple of things about Hartley actually uh, over the period of that second innings. I mentioned in the first innings that he was quite wide of the crease and therefore was struggling to keep a, a, a direct line on the stumps. I've noticed that in this in, innings, he's much closer to the stumps. His front foot is landing probably a foot inside the return crease and therefore he's able to keep a more consistent line wicket to wicket. And secondly, he's also got the confidence to bowl a bit more outside leg stump and get the ball to turn, and that's partly the product of him getting slightly closer in to the wicket when he releases the ball, so that he can get the ball to spin across from just outside leg stump. It's not going at such a direct, stark angle, so he doesn't have to turn the ball quite as much to pose a threat. But I thought his control, his demeanour, his composure, especially after what he experienced in the first innings, was absolutely remarkable. Mm. If he weren't the first-class cricketer, what profession uh, do you think he would be? And he reminds me of a rural vicar. Is, is that is that fair? You can almost you could almost see him in the robes delivering the Eucharist on a, a Sunday evening. I bet he's flattered to, to be able to hear that. <laughs> what a curate or something? Yeah, I mean. so, something like that. Yeah, 
He's just got that. He's just got that demeanour about it. Only it was just a a, a rogue thought. But yeah, re- I mean, fantastic day for him. Really re- remarkable day for him, especially when you consider what he you know went through in the first innings. He was talking afterwards, wasn't he, about how Ben Stokes had just sort of kept him on, giving him that confidence, you know, backing up the words that uh, the skipper had given to him, just believing in him, you know, because and Ben Stokes after himself said, you know, look, I'm going to need him to bowl in the second innings. I'm going to need him to bowl a lot in the second innings. So I, there's no point just you know, b- giving him a couple of overs and taking him out of the attack and, and not getting him right in the game. So I mean, ultimately, uh, at that, he seemed to benefit from that. Although Stokes said, I'm not going to say that that was what, you know, made him take seven wickets in the second innings. I mean, what helped him clearly was, you know, that is any self-respecting spinner would want to bowl on that pitch, wouldn't they? Really, Let, let's face it. That, that you want to bowl on surfaces like that. Yeah, you do. And you, but but then again, because you're expected to take wickets on yeah. there, that is an added pressure. And there have been many spinners, and I, I'll give you the example of one famous spinner, Phil Tufnell, wasn't always that confident on a turning pitch because he knew he was expected to take wickets. Yeah, yeah. He bowled often bowled better, and I think he would concede this himself, he often bowled better on a flat pitch where he wasn't expected to do well and therefore there wasn't the burden of expectation. But you know, Tom Hartley held himself together. There was that extra half hour where he had to try and deliver uh, the, the final blows. He held it together, bowling two excellent deliveries to Ashwin who went on a rampage up the wicket at a big slog and was stumped and then the same thing happened to Mohamed Siraj just when the tail enders were sort of thinking about the close and maybe taking it into a fifth day and I think Rohit Sharma definitely wanted them to take it into a fifth day another rush of blood herring up the pitch a little bit of uh, deception by Hartley just dropping the ball a little bit short bit of turn and the the rest was done by Ben Folks. So Tom Hartley finishing with seven for 62 and managing to bowl those 26.2 overs without finger injuries or looking tired or anything like that. It was a, an outstanding performance, the fourth best performance by a debutant in India in history. And after the game, he talked to the TNT commentators and the first thing they asked him was how did he feel after that first innings performance when, of course, he was dispatched for a ton and his first ball in test cricket was hit for a six. Uh, this is hard work. <laughs> uh, you know, it was really tough out there. Um, you know, it didn't spin quite as much as we thought, but, um, you know, testament to the coaches and uh, Stokesy and Baz, you know, they, they really got around me and, you know, uh, I lost no confidence really and I was able to come out and do my best out here. Yeah, and just give us an insight into the changing room, Tom. When you go through something like that, how much the culture and the team environment helps you bounce back from a bad day? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, in that dressing room, we can have a great day. We can have a really bad day. You know, it's the same vibe in there. Um, you know, they're always ultra positive. You know, um, it's just fantastic dressing room and one of the best I've been in, to be honest. And you get the privilege of being captain under one of our great England test captains. What's it like working with Ben Stokes? Yeah, there's never a dull moment, to be honest. Um, I'm always looking around and thinking, is there a fielder? There was their last ball. Um, but, you know, that's just the Stokes way. And, you know, we've all bought into it. And, you know, we've come out on top today. So it's definitely working. How big was your batting innings, a boost to your bowling when you walked out um, in the, this morning? Yeah, obviously, I was, I was really nervous um, to start. But getting a few runs uh, always helps. So, um, you know, it put my... Um, my nervousness uh, ease a little bit and you know I uh, got I found out a few things about the pitch which helped with my bowling as well 
What were the learnings for you? You mentioned that once you uh, had a had a hit out there, you knew what you had to do on that wicket. And what did you change from that first innings? Um, I realised I didn't have to to bowl as fast as I thought. You know, I could take my time in my run up, um, especially watching uh, Jadeja and Ash, and then boys bowl on it. I thought, you know, we can take our time a little bit. Um, you know, the new ball didn't quite spin as much. So realising that, and then changing lines as the ball got older and started to spin more. So a wonderful day for Tom Hartley. Yours, just uh, you know, to, to wrap up the the end of the game. What did you think about those shots of of, of Ashwin and Siraj? I mean, Ashwin had played really carefully and responsibly uh, with Barat. Okay, he Barat had gone, but Bumrah showed himself not like okay, he's not the the best batter in the world, but he he's a gritty fighter as well. I wonder whether they could just preyed on England's nerves a little bit. It, 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 it felt like a couple of wickets tossed away there. I mean, Siraj and and Bumrah had added, what, 20-odd for the, the final wicket. And I'm sure England supporters watching on would just have been getting twitchy again, as they would have been during that Barat and Ashwin partnership. Because it was it's so funny, the game of cricket, isn't it? The, the, the psychology of it. When it was seven down, suddenly it's England's game to lose, isn't it? And then you, you start, it sort of gnaws away at you. The, the runs come, you think, oh, no, surely we're not going to lose a game that you know we expect to win. And the other thing, that, and the other... Um, side of that is of course India earlier in the game you know they must have been thinking that surely we're not going to lose a game we're expected to win but, but in a way that during that Ashwin and Barat partnership the pressure was off anyway so what about those two shots that that finished the game one word pressure and I think that permeated throughout the Indian innings uh, throughout that run chase they're not used to being put under pressure and having to make you know 230 odd runs in the fourth innings on a difficult pitch they, they succumbed to the pressure and Ashwin you know a huge rush of blood when he was actually playing pretty well what what often happens actually when you run up the wicket like that is you go too early as well because you're feeling that that pressure inside you 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 know you almost gallop up the wicket immediately telegraphing your intentions to the bowler who can see you coming drops it a bit short Siraj a little bit more forgivable I mean he hasn't got too many shots in the locker and he could have been thinking, come on, just just bat out till the close and then we can reassess. But a bit of a rush of blood, you know, adrenaline, it shows what the, that, that in, impact can have. So in the end, India capitulating for 202 all out, a 28-run win for England in the first test of this series. It's only the fourth time India have lost a test match in the last 46 at home. Amazing. And the circumstances as well. I think it's it's that. It's not just the fact that England have gone there and won. It's the circumstances in which they won. To come back from that 190-run first innings deficit, to be five down, still haven't, you know, having forced India to, to bat again. And you know, just looking down the barrel and the inexperienced uh, spin attack that they've got. And the, the gamble they, they took by only playing uh, one pace bowler in the match. Mark Wood didn't take a single wicket in the game, did he? Um Brought brought back to try and finish it off at the end. I think it's that it's the it's the context as well. But this Ben Stokes uh, England team they they keep doing bizarre and remarkable things, and they've they've certainly done something remarkable here. What did what did Ben Stokes say afterwards? Is our greatest triumph since I've been captain. I think you wouldn't. No one would dispute that. But there've been plenty of uh, remarkable victories. I mean, I was in Ralpindi when they won on the flattest pitch imaginable in the first Test uh, last year, 500 on the first day. And yeah, it, it, Pakistan they got a stack in their first innings as well. But somehow they managed to conjure a victory, and somehow they've managed to 
conjure a victory out of this test match. I, I don't think many people saw this coming. Even, no. even Ben Duckett, even Ben Duckett after the first day when he said, I think we're in a good position. They weren't in a good position. They were in yeah, a pretty ordinary position, actually. And they were certainly in, a, in dire position when they lost 560. But it just shows in a way, doesn't it, how this sort of fearlessness that the, the Ben Stokes, Baz McCullum regime has introduced it percolates into everybody's psyche and although it can sound like kidology at times it clearly infuses the players with confidence that they can win from any situation uh, listening to Tom Hartley there saying you know coming into the dressing room no problems absolutely fine you know go go for it tomorrow it'll be fine we'll we'll get out of this somehow uh, and Ben Stokes said after the game, talking to to the commentators, something that he he has inherited from Trevor Bayliss when Trevor Bayliss was coach about however bad today is, you'll be breathing again in the morning, and bringing that whole mentality uh, of of what will be will be into the psyche of the team, so that everybody plays with fearlessness. Stuart Broad talked about it a lot last year as well before the Ashes, how he'd been almost rejuvenated by this different mentality of just playing, playing the game for fun almost and expressing yourself and no blame attached to anything you do, provided you prepare properly and, and think it through, you can do what you like. And Ollie Pope is the epitome of that in this game. Don't worry about your first innings failures. Go and play your way again and you may succeed. And he did. Last time I, met, I mentioned this at the start of the podcast that England did win the first match of the series. They went on to lose the series. What happened after that game was that it was played on what I would call a traditional Indian surface that was actually quite flat and really good for batting in the first part of the game. And England got a huge score and they just built scoreboard pressure throughout the game and won it uh, late on. This pitch wasn't like that one in, in Chennai. And so India, for the second test match, they said, right, we've had enough of this. We're not playing on, on flat surfaces anymore. We're playing on spinning pitches uh, from now on. And, you know, we... The pitches that where the ball was going to the top on the first day, but they've actually played on a pitch that is, in a way, you, well, you, you could argue it both ways, couldn't you? You could say actually it might have brought England spinners into the game, but anyway, they played on a spinning pitch, uh, so they can't sort of go back to that now. If you, if you see what I mean, what they they did last time. So what do they do now? What do they feel about how this match has gone? Well, obviously, they feel that it's a missed opportunity and that they were disrupted by the way England batted and succumbed rather meekly in their second innings. I think your point, actually, about the fact that if they do produce a very big turning pitch like this was, it does bring the England spinners into it. They back their own, India back their own spinners to, to, to bowl better on it. The trouble is they were too much under pressure with a big run chase in that final innings, and their bat batting faltered, perhaps because uh, partly because of the lack of Virat Kohli. So I, I think, actually, that producing very big turning pitches does even up the odds. India generally have, have a better side, certainly with the ball. But if you give the other team opportunities to be able to take wickets, look at what happened to India in 2012. You know, they produced a turning pitch in Mumbai and they were out-bowled by Monty Panesar and, and, and Graham Swan. They, who you know in a way the advantage that India might have had with batting ability in their own conditions were negated because it, the batting was a bit of a lottery 
you you know a good ball an unplayable ball can come along at any time from any bowler on these sorts of pitches so they're sort of evening up the odds so I don't know I, I, I it'll be interesting to see what their approach is but Alistair Cook warned before this series that if India produce big turning pitches it does make the, the outcomes a bit more of a lottery we sort of proved right hasn't he so far yeah. Well, we did our sort of predictions at the start of this uh, series and we've done we've tried to look ahead each day what, what we think is going to happen in the match and some things we've got right and some things we've got wrong. I did say at the start of the series that England wouldn't lose this series 5-0, but I thought India would win this series. Has what's happened in the first test just made us rethink and think, actually, I wonder whether England could go on and produce something special in this series. Possibly no Jadeja, no Kohli in the next test match. It feels at the moment as if some of the problems are with India, although we don't know about Jack Leach's fitness for the next game because he's got this knee injury. Has, has, has what's happened in the last, I don't know, 36 hours changed our thinking? Or really do you expect India to assert themselves? Go away, rethink, replan and reassert themselves no I think definitely it's, it's caused us all to rethink and I think it's the way England have batted that has surprised us the success in that second innings getting 440 runs on a second and third day pitch which was already turning from the start is a tremendous performance and you know clearly those players have learned from two or three years ago 2021 in India and have come out with a more forthright approach and it's taken India by surprise in the same way as it did rather the Australians in, in the Ashes last summer. And it took the Australians a bit of time to, to get, come to terms with it. So I, I think it has caused India to rethink. Will they still win the series? Well, it's, it, it's now very difficult to say. I also think Tom Hartley has, has, you know, you could see him improving almost over by over in this test match. And he's going to be a genuine threat, even if Jack Leach is now not fit for, say, the second test. England know they've got a guy who can take wickets and hold it together and also contribute useful runs. So a potential star has been born in this test match, uh, something that the Indians will have to think about. What's the final outcome going to be? God knows. <laughs> it's probably best to actually end with that, isn't it? We, we, we don't know. I mean, we, we put our proposals forward about what we think is going to happen but yeah, it, it, under this with this England side it, it's hard isn't it sometimes you don't quite know what they're going to come up with next and they have come up with something really special in the last or day and a half in Hyderabad I've called it the heist of Hyderabad we had the miracle of Headingley it's the heist of Hyderabad isn't it really to, to nick that test match from under India's nose is when you consider the position that India were in in this game they've got to do it all again in a few days time Yoz uh, Vizica Patnam for the next test match on Friday England played there on a tour before last and, and lost quite an interesting game there was a remarkable actually opening partnership between Hamid and Cook in the second innings where they put on 70 and 50 overs Basball it wasn't I mean, that was one way of playing to try to sort of defend see out the game I don't imagine uh, in England, this England side is going to play that way in, in Visa Kapatnam uh, starting on Friday. No, absolutely not. But we'll see. We'll be back to give it to you, the, the review of the first day's play from Visa Kapatnam, Friday afternoon, whenever play finishes. And, of course, you can see it on TNT Sports. You called it the great escape yesterday. I think that's what we're going to leave you with today. It was England's greatest ever escape. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you on Friday.
Social Podcast Network.